Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. Twitter and I have with me uh, a dev. Uh, I guess I'll, I guess I can call you a narrative dev of sorts. Uh, not that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm a narrative dev. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, Tom, uh, who I just met, Tom uh, uh, Juba. Yes. 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 I, I say your last name because I literally just found out your last name a few minutes ago. But we've been we've been uh, chatting on Twitter and here a little bit. Um, since I found out you were doing uh, mobile games, and it turns out we have more in common, but I I just am excited to have you on to talk about I don't know narrative in the age of the the mobile game. Yeah, it's uh it's weird. I I've been listening to you for a while. I remember somebody on Chapo tweeted about you, and then your Abby was uh, crazy cat. Well, Ignatz, <laughs> and your thing was Love and Rockets. So, like, yeah, I'll just follow this guy. So, this is, <laughs> it's been exciting. I, I'm, uh, I'm glad I could talk about mobile gaming, which is a thing I now know so much about. Uh, I am ready to talk about Dragon Ball Dokken Battle, which is not a game, uh, Game Loft, which is where I work. That's not a game we make, but I could probably say more uh, critical things about Dokken Battle uh, than some of the other games because I have to keep. Some of the things under wraps, you know, I have my confidentiality. But of course, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to uh, be, you know, uh, smart. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before, but like the, um, uh, I've I've actually heard from a couple of people, and even early on, which was one of the reasons why I kept doing the podcast, is like people were like, hey. Like I work at a fairly major studio, um, and uh, we 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 love your podcast. I would be like, "Oh wow, cool man, that's great!" Like, do do you want to come on and talk about like X game that I've been playing and enjoying? And they're like, "Oh no 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 no, I can't. I I signed like twelve NDAs and can never come on your podcast." Yeah, uh, no, I I, so I, I know how hard it is. So many emails to. I talked to five different departments, actually, <laughs> uh, which, which was cool because I've never met. We're a big global company, so I've met about seven people in the company that like is like 1,000 to 5,000 different people. Uh, so it was nice getting to meet people just to be on a podcast. And everyone hey, you know, really excited about podcasts. Uh, good. So congrats. 
Oh, I mean, honestly, like, I'm glad. You're in an up-and-coming medium, so people All are right. really pumped. Yeah. Very nice. I love that. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's weird. Like, it's, um, I feel like it's extremely easy to, and I, I, I say this without any sort of, like, with almost caution as opposed to, to excitement. It's, like, very easy to sell people on things on a podcast. Like, I feel, I've, I've joked around with Scott Benson a bunch of times about this, like, feel like I've helped sell probably about 20 to 25, if not more copies of Night in the Woods just by like talking about it randomly. And people are like, yeah, I got to get that game because that guy talked about it on the podcast. I, I Man, just this is, this is dangerous. Two nights ago. So yeah, <laughs> there you that's, go. That, that's 31. Also, I never played a <laughs> Metal Gear Solid game. Then I listened to your Metal Gear Solid episode and I have played every Metal Gear Solid game besides four, at least in like the number ones. Uh, like last month i just played every metal gear solid game uh i couldn't wow. talk about metal gear solid it's the greatest thing ever made so i appreciate it yeah it's uh, amazing you're welcome well yeah though i mean honestly i'm 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 glad i'm glad for for my sake that they were excited to have you on but i'm glad uh, in general that they're excited about podcasts like i guess i am too uh, so, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I could, I could stay here all night talking about how great I am. Uh, but let's talk about you. Um, so, so you work in, in mobile gaming. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do. So I don't want to, I don't want to, we've, we talked a little bit about what you can say, what you can't say. Um, you can lead the discussion here. Cause I don't want you to, to, to step in any landmines or I don't want to lead you into any landmines. Um, but what do you do? Like, what do you do at Gameloft? So, yeah, I'm at Gameloft. I was a junior writer up until last week, uh, and now I'm a senior writer, writer, narrative designer. Uh, oh, uh, Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, we, we're a big global company, and so we're making tons of games all the time. Uh, a lot of games we're doing in updates, which are games I could definitely talk about, and those are games I kind of like, I have kind of full control over. Those, the, the main ones I could think off the top of my head are... Uh, Spider-Man Unlimited, which is what I put a lot of my effort into. Sniper Fury, uh, Gangstar Las Vegas. And uh, those are the main update ones. And then for like games I'm making, I can't talk explicitly about those, but I definitely am making those. And a big part of it is uh, the designers in these different studios that we have around the world will be like actually making the game design and they'll send me game design documents as it goes up. And then in conjunction with the game design, I'll try and figure out a narrative to kind of go with it, to fit the feel. Uh, that's always kind of tricky because I don't ever want to feel like I am paratrooping in to ruin their game. Because mm. at the end of the day, like like everyone who is making these games like is making, even, even though mobile games aren't think, thought of as art sometimes, they are like, they're, these are like their babies. And I know we're working on this one game that the designer is so excited about and like I've come in and I've had to go on a bunch of Skype calls with him and just be like, hey, dude, like I want to make the game that you want to make. I want to make this game as good as you possibly want to make it. So like getting designers to trust me as not just like a person who is going to ruin their game, but like make it better <laughs> narratively because everyone thinks they could write. Uh, I, I thought I could write for a number of years and now I'm paid to write. Uh, and I just like I, I have to like get people to trust me that I actually know what i'm doing and know how to structure a story so it's a little difficult with that but it, it also kind of is fun because i get to I, I i assume in a studio where the designers are actually in the room with the writers the same skills have to be used 
Uh, it's mm. just a little difficult because you'll be going over email and you'll you'll say something the wrong way or they'll say something and it'll kind of get a, a the the gears will grind a bit. So yeah, you have to communication definitely has to be open in this sort of global company. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like it's fascinating too because the you know you mentioned how much you you've been enjoying Metal Gear Solid and one of the oh. things that is so interesting thinking about uh kind of like an auteur based uh design scheme as opposed to a much more collaborative one that you're like you're working in i mean you can imagine how difficult it would be to sort of like get in the ear of some of like kojima on these things or like if you're the narrative person you're like oh you know i really want to work on this to make like this plot point a little better i can't imagine you'd be invited to the table with him uh, but in your case, like, and I, I think this is valuable. I think like this is a mistake of the author-driven uh, movement. Like in your case, you actually are like given this spot where you're able to say like, "Hey, let's collaborate on this. Let's work on it." And I could see why that would be um, that would create some friction. But I also uh, I imagine that makes for better gameplay and not just uh, better writing overall. Yeah, I I would say like. With Metal Gear Solid, Kojima is an auteur, much like like uh, I don't know, like Ozu is an auteur. But okay. like we are not making Ozu, like we're making network television, which also rules. Mm-hmm. So part of that is just like you work together, you're all doing. It, uh, I would actually maybe even compare it to like Marvel Comics, where uh, instead of like with Chris Ware, who's like doing the lettering and the inking and the coloring and everything involved. There, there is a letterer and there is like, there's, there's someone who's doing each step on the assembly line and together we're, we're building this product, which doesn't exist for the same reason that like auteur art exists, but exists more like why NCIS exists. Cause it's like, it's mm. comforting. Mm. I see people playing the games that I write on the subway all the time, which is super cool. And I sometimes want to go up to them and tell them that I write it, but I know they won't <laughs> care. Uh, but yeah, no, like this is like I, I like the games because they're comforting. Uh, I play a lot of Spider-Man Unlimited on the train because it's just like you, all you have to do is swipe back and forth and you win and it feels nice. So, yeah, but like the collaborative experience yeah. is good. It just makes different games than like what a Kojima would make. Well, and it's really interesting to to hear that because I think like there is there's always this sense of um, – I don't know. Like, I, I feel like from the writing, the writing world, particularly, I know there was always this tension between, uh, you know, commercial writing and sort of like quote unquote art writing in, um, when you talk to MFAs or, uh, in, in my case, when you talk to like the, the creative writing PhDs in, in my PhD program, like there would be, and they were all smart people and, and they were with it. Like, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't suggest that they had regressive opinions on it. But that tension existed. Like that was something that was up for discussion. Like, are you writing for sort of like um, uh, appeal, or are you writing for sort of like um, some sort of aesthetic? And it's really interesting to hear. It, it's interesting to get to the point in my life where that distinction has kind of been weathered away a little bit. Uh, in, in no small part because I don't know. Like I, I get just as much sort of personal satisfaction out of. I don't know, not personal satisfaction, but personal comfort. You're absolutely right. Comfort out of playing something that is clearly meant for a large audience as opposed to something that is like super, super highbrow. Um, Yeah. Do do you think like, do you think 
I mean, what what to you goes into making that kind of comfort uh, that comfort food feel? Like how how does that how does that writing work for you? I definitely like the first thing because I I I am very I just got out of college last year, uh, and so there was definitely part of me who was like I, I went to art school and I had this like artist mentality where mm-hmm. I like everything I wrote I kind of wanted to impress people with. And one thing that's been very helpful is I am really not trying to impress anybody with my writing. I'm just trying to like be there for somebody. I, I guess that's a weird way of putting it, but like I'll like I'll write it. I always go based on like the simplest three act structure whenever I'm doing like the big simple. I I never try and like break structure and make people like think like oh like what is this narrative? I'm like oh no, I just want the story where like it is one person caring about another person or like one person trying to attain a goal and then they get the goal. So it's mm-hmm. very simple storytelling, but like I know really good writers who like their favorite show is law and order, which is the most structured story possible, but there's just something comfortable. About, my favorite like, shows too. <laughs> I know it, it, it's so good. And like, uh, even like one of the guys I worked with had an internship, like right. He's like a brilliant playwright and also writes for law and order. So like there, the, the line between comfort and like, edgy is just like everyone I work with has a personal project that they're working on the side, but they also write at work because there, there's like a bit of it. Like, Oh, I need to get out my own personal feeling. But then there's also this thing like, Oh, I want to like, I have a skill that makes people happy. I want to make people happy. I want to use that skill. Nice. Yeah. I mean like, there, and there's something, there's something about the, the tricky. And I mean, this goes into kind of theory as well, but the idea of restriction um, as, as part of craft where, um, you know, the, uh, having no restrictions on your art, being able to kind of like go in any direction actually, uh, paradoxically creates some of the worst art you'll find. And actually like the imposition of restriction, either through, I don't know, technological or material means, or just arbitrarily creates actually like more compelling work because it actually needs to, I don't know. It needs to struggle against something. Um, and I think that like when you were talking about, you know, making something comfortable for someone or like living within that three act structure that is going to be predictable, but enjoyable or interesting or compelling. I mean, that's really what is so interesting about the law and order prime or the the original sort of series is that you knew exactly every beat that was coming, but it was still compelling on some level to watch. And that to me is like the peak of working within a, uh, like a formal structure. Yeah. I, I wrote a murder mystery for one of my, uh, like screenplays, uh, in college. And one of the things that my professor said really smart was there's only like seven characters in a movie. So like <laughs> making people like guess who the murderer is, like who cares? It, like, it is not about yeah. the murder at all it's just about these characters existing within this framework so like you do not need to be the edgiest or the craziest involved but going back to restriction sorry uh no. i was getting off topic but yeah there's this thing in spider-man every month there is a symbiote world event which is a full like 13 mission story and the best writing i've ever done in my life is in those stories and it is the same quest structure every time like it always starts with a venom fight in the middle. There's a carnage fight. And at the end, there's a fight with a symbiote named scream. And I've been able, because I've written in this last year, I've written like 20, uh, which is insane. Now that I'm looking back at it, uh, I've been able to write these like really cool stories. Uh, and even though they're like, 
they're comfortable. I never let like my morality switch. Like one of the rules I have in Sniper Fury is that uh, a poor person can never be the bad guy. Like it's always yeah. a corporation mur- murdering people. Uh, Cause like a poor person, like getting angry and like trying to uh, like uprise. If the, the character in Sniper Fury is part of this, uh, this like not like this kind of like private military group called Cell Strike, and if I was writing and I was writing this thing where like these poor people were being taken advantage of and they just wanted to like be treated better, and your job was going in and murdering people, I just don't know if I could look at myself after writing that. So I've like made it <laughs> sort of a silent rule. Uh, oh, I hope I'm allowed to say it. yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, because there has to be a bad guy. I don't make it always rich people. Uh, I, I, but. It, it just seems like even though it's comfortable, I still want to be m- like moral with what I'm doing. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I, I find that fascinating. Cause like, you know, I, I think about this a lot with games. Like um, I, I, I've been playing not a, not a ton of, but um, uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, rainbow six siege, um, which is really fun. It's like a fun squad based uh, multiplayer game, but literally you're, government operatives from various countries and like you know i'm not expecting my triple a uh um <laughs> like multiplayer games to be particularly uh on point when it comes to to their own morality or social cues but like uh you all like they introduced people from the brazilian units uh of counterterrorism, uh and not only is that awful because of um uh franco's uh uh death in brazil but also the 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 squad has the death's head in their logo and so you just like you're you're always like oh is this is this really bad what i'm doing here am i like am i crossing a line so like i totally get what you're saying and i think like to take that on as a writer is a really honest thing to do um if that makes sense i think like it's it probably again, it's it's like a, a wonderful little restriction because it it means you can't ever do that ultra lazy plot line of like, oh, these Luddites want to, you know, end technology and you have to stop them or something like that. Yeah. I did do a story like that one time, but it uh it was an artist and as a performance art piece hired uh, t- uh terrorists oh, in order yeah. to get rid of technology. Cause did you ever watch that Les Blank movie about the cowpoke artist? No, uh, it's wonderful. I love Les Blank, but like, uh, yeah, we were in a wild west town, and I couldn't imagine why terrorists would create a wild west town. But I can imagine a, a performance artist doing that. But there's that's, really no performance artist uh, uh, who could hire terrorists who are in the lower class. So I, 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 it still went by my rules. I felt good about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like you know it's one of those it's one of those difficult problems in genre and this is something that i mean it does get off topic but i think it's, it gets off topic in an interesting way and then we can veer back into mobile gaming but like the uh, you know i totally agree with those rules and I, I i think that's that's kind of a brilliant way of handling it but then again all of our bad guys at this point are you know terrorists and terrorists almost unanimously come from I mean, not that's not true, but many terrorists, let's say, come from uh, sort of like lower disadvantaged classes and and become reactionary because they are, you know, 
reacting against something. Um, and so inevitably you end up with like this really difficult thing where you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. If, if, if you want to have like some sort of like truly, uh, you know, evil, uh, force that is also not like, you know, making, making light of poverty or, or global economic problems. No, it's really tough. And I would say one of the, the, I, I don't know if it's a good part, but like an advantage of working at this company is no matter what you have to get product out. It's not like I've been nice. working on this personal project for like a year and a half and it'll get done in the next decade. I promise. But <laughs> at work, like I have to get a thing out. Like I, I was writing this three mission thing for Spider-Man where Peter Parker gets really depressed and a symbiote takes over him and he wants to just give up. Cause like what type of person, if they could just like, get depressed and turn into a monster at any moment why go on right uh, and i wanted that like mary jane gets a like symbiote to save him but then it got into like i started like i actually got a big conversation with my coworker claire just about like it's it's not your loved one's responsibility to save you from your own mental illness but also like it is a kind and caring thing to do and after like a day of just arguing about like not even arguing just like talking about how to deal with mental illness when you're in a relationship with someone and what, how much of a burden it was like, Oh, the due date is today. I'm just going to send it out now. And hopefully the morality is good and people like, like it. So, yeah. I mean, like deadlines are huge. It's the, it's the old mantra of uh, work fills time, which uh, my advisor gave me at one point, I think, and, uh, and is 100% true. Uh, You give yourself a set piece of time and the work you have will fill it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just the what are the immutable laws of the universe? Uh, yeah, there's but, a good Linda Barry thing about uh, you could tell someone to draw Batman in 30 seconds and they will somehow be able to finish in 30 seconds. But if you tell them to do it in 10 seconds, they will still be able to do it. It'll look <laughs> completely different. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely that's interesting. Great. I mean, yeah. but it's true. Like this this idea of like, I mean, and 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 it it brushes up against a couple things. Like, of course, I don't want to say. Um, I just actually, uh, this episode should be up when we, yeah, it will be out, uh, when, when this, when our episode comes out, but I just talked to, um, uh, Liz Ryerson, who's working, uh, who's one of the people, uh, spearheading the unionization efforts at, uh, at, uh, GDC, uh, this year or was at GDC this year. Very uh, cool. Yeah, it was neat. And like, I don't want to suggest that like, it's very cool to like overwork your workers and, and force them to get stuff out to like you know, from a, just a, just for an aesthetic project. Um, but it sounds like you're not, it sounds like your labor conditions are fine. Uh, it sounds like you enjoy your job. So I feel comfortable. I, I love my job so much, Trevor, uh, to anybody <laughs> at Game Loft listening right now. I love it so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you everyone. And I, I, I love my job. I love my company. Go on. Uh, I just wanted to plug that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I will also say that uh, this came up even off off uh, mic. So I, this is sincere on your part. But um, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I feel like I can I can uh, say it for you then. Like, it's 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 cool to think about, like, the ways in which just having to get something out pushes this kind of like imperfect vision, but one that actually like at least hits the world. Like I, um, you know, there, there's a million dissertations, uh, for instance, uh, that never get written that are like the most brilliant things in the world in their own, you know, practitioners minds. Uh, 
but never get written because they have to be perfect before they get out there. And then there are, you know, dissertations that just get written and they're imperfect and not great, but at least someone read them uh, and they got you where you needed to go. And then you moved on to the next thing. Like there's, there's that balance there. And I really like, I really like the description of that, right? Like a, a passionate, deeply interested debate that uh, got cut short by a deadline. And then you just set it out. Yeah, no. And it was, it was good. I, I mean, I felt good. Like anytime I could actually like a, a good thing about game loft is that the narrative director uh, is very kind. And like, if you want to like put yourself into the work, like he kind of like says that is good. So one of my storylines, I, uh, my grandfather passed away when I was five and I got a sweater and I've been wearing it for like 10 years and I lost it, which is, Oh my God. Yeah. It was so debilitating. And the same week I watched Tokyo story, which is just about like old people dying. Oh God. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. So I just wrote a symbiote world about Peter Parker losing his like uncle Ben's sweater. And it was, uh, one person in the comments on Facebook said it was, uh, surprisingly boring. Uh, which was cool for me, but like I was able to like write the story that was like very personal to me, and it was like I got to be very kind to these characters who don't get to be kind. Like I, one thing I always do in symbiote worlds, I like make things from the per- point of view of the symbiotes because no one is ever kind to them; they're just mean villains all the time. Right, and it makes me right. sad. So, uh, yeah, I've been able to make work that actually like is passionate, but as a, yeah, I have to get it out at a certain point. I can't just like mull over it for 10 years <laughs> right I, I this actually leads me into something like a specific question about mobile gaming um so i had uh another liz on my 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 longtime friend and collaborator liz rosher on to talk about mobile gaming and she I, that was the episode that i i was uh i'm learning how to skateboard so i was skateboarding in a, in, oh, at nice. a playground and i was listening to it and I was just like all hopped up on my uh, adrenaline. And I was like, I'm going to message you and talk to you about mobile games, what I think. And now here I am. I've made it. See, you know, shoot your cool. shot. Like yeah. just, just with podcast hosts, don't, 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 uh, don't DM women and shoot your shot uh, unless you feel like they, they want you to. That's probably not going to work out too well for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm just going to act like everyone hates me. It's gotten <laughs> me pretty far so far in my life. And yeah. I, I, I try and stay away from all human beings because, uh, yeah, there, there's no reason for you to like me. Yeah, we, we've got our, you've got a kid. I've got a, I've got my sister's dog. So we all got stuff to do. But it's like a classic New Yorker thing to say. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, I've, been, I've, been, I've been honing that for years. So this is good. <laughs> but so like, yeah, I mean, she was saying the games to her are part about the story but then like she had sort of a complicated relationship with a lot of the stories where like she would find a character annoying or Mm -hmm. you know she'd work through a game even if the story didn't really grab her or she'd give up a game if the story didn't grab her like it it seemed like a very fluid relationship um i'm interested like it sounds like your for lack of a better word readers uh have kind of a fluid relationship with your own work too like i'm assuming i haven't played uh, uh spider-man unlimited uh, or was it? It's unlimited, right? I'm getting unlimited. Out. Yeah, okay. it's the same name as the animated show from the yeah. 2000s. I'm getting like I get confused because uh, I I was a really really big Spider Man head growing up, uh, and so, I have like so, uh, Maximum Carnage, right? Yeah, uh, and there's my yeah. I, I read all of that, and I read all of like I I read all the stuff through the late 90s, and they there was a Spider Man Unlimited, and then an also an Ultimate Spider Man, both of which mm-hmm. I read 
most of. So like, I yeah. just, I always want to like, I never know if it's unlimited or ultimate and I, you know. it, it is very confusing. I would say, well, when you're talking with Liz, one of the interesting things is I don't think any of the games she talked about were licensed except I think, did you talk about the Gordon Ramsay? We did. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. the one. Uh, but even that, like, uh, with licenses, it's very tricky because you are like working directly with the company. And a lot of the time you're going to be asked to like write stories that already exist. Cause that's what people want to see. Sure. Like going back to uh, Dragon Ball Z Doken battle. Yeah. They use the time travel gimmick that like trunks has in Dragon Ball to just pretty much retell these stories, but with like a multiverse invading twist. So that is like, that is one of the difficult things in narrative where it's like, Oh, I love this thing. I would love to tell new stories in there, but I know it's, I'm also working within the confines of a business that needs to make money and more people are going to be excited if they get to like fight against the androids the way they did when they saw it on the TV show. Right. Uh, as opposed to just like whatever things I come up with. Now, uh, like, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm sure I've told this story. I like, I'm, I can actually like remember telling this story on the podcast, but you know, if, if, if my family has to deal with me telling the same story eight times in a row, so do my listeners. Um, the like i i wanted to write comics for the longest time like that was my dream and uh and it got you know i gave up on it for a number of reasons one because i'm just not i'm not really the best creative writer in the world um i'll cop to that i you know people always encourage me and i it's just not really my forte um and- I, I will say being a bad writer has never stopped me. So like, <laughs> feel, feel free to chase your dreams. Oh, you know. thank you. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to end the podcast now and start my spec script. Uh, <laughs> oh, yikes. Uh, but yeah, like the, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, I, I wanted to write comics and, and a couple of things actually stopped me. One was I was talking to a friend of my, my dad's, uh, who was, uh, my dad's in a leak he does stuff in publishing. He sort of is like in the, in the publishing world and also in the acting world, he's kind of like a, a creative uh, quadruple or quintuple threat insofar as like any, any good freelancer is. But um, he has a buddy who uh, is fairly well, well, well regarded, uh, very, fairly well published. And he, he told me, um, I was talking to him about writing comics because I think he had like a, a contract with Marvel at that point. And, I was like, well, how'd you get there? And he's like, well, they like to hire people who wrote, who have two published novels to start out with. I was like, well, geez, <laughs> I'm sunk. Um, yeah. And then the I, other thing I, was, I, oh, good. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I, I worked at a comic store throughout high school. And one time Dan Didio, who is the, uh, one of the edit, yeah. like chief editors at DC came into the store and I was 16 and had my dad's little portfolio filled with this idea for a comic called the potentials and i was like i'm gonna hand it to him i have an idea how it'll fit into the dc universe i'm gonna be a comic book writer by the time i'm 17 dope and i like walked up to him and in the most polite way possible he just like shooed me away and explained why like i will never i can't do that and so yeah the 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 road to actually getting there i i don't there's no reason why i should be a video game writer like it's all like luck and weird but I, I like that I'm a video game writer. I think I'm pretty good at it. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. But yeah. It, it is. It's crazy. Well, and I think like the other thing about it, and like you sort of get at the other reason why I sort of bounced off of it, but I admire what you're doing now because it was something that I couldn't quite ever wrap my head around. And I, I wish I could is like my big idea that I always had for a Spider-Man comic was like, 
oh, what if I wrote the last Spider-Man comic, like Death of Spider-Man, like the one where like literally there's no more Spider-Man comics afterwards. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I, even when I was thinking about it in my head, I'm sure I thought it was real edgy and fun and like, you know, yeah. ooh, so challenging and, and cool. Uh, like, I don't understand why I ever would have thought that would be the case because they need that character to make money. Like they need, yeah, they yeah. need Spider-Man oh, around. Yeah. Like that's the point of having the character. That's the point of having the serial. Why would you give up that license? It's a billion trillion. I don't know how, how if you add it all together, like end to end dollar license, like, writing within capitalism is really weird yeah yeah because i know how story structure works and sometimes story structure will be stopped because like you can't afford to do that thing uh like in the simbi worlds i'll write a lot of what if stories because i just want to murder a couple characters uh and i can't murder carnage ever because in the next simbi world he has to be back because you need to fight against him uh but in a what if story, like in a story where Spider-Man is an astronaut and has to do alien stuff, uh, then he could like he could totally die, and there could be like cool murders, and there could be emotional moments. But yeah, no, there. <laughs> you, one day you'll be a comic book writer, I promise you. Uh, oh, but <laughs> you will never write Death of Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, and, and have that be the last I. Spider-Man issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, would, you, like, would you want to like? Because because at the end of the day, like it's edgy and it's cool. But like, what about that guy who's like, he works three jobs and his favorite moment is just like <laughs> getting a Spider-Man issue and like reading it at his desk before he has to go back to work. And you yeah. killed Spider-Man. You ruined his week. Like, why would you do that? That That's, yeah. This is supposed to be comforting. I mean, you just ruined it. That's a fantastic point. Because like, honestly, I've had that experience too, where like I can recall, uh, so I, I really liked comics up through when I was like 12 or so and a, a mix of my comic book store stopped. They just like stopped selling comics because they weren't as uh, lucrative as like magic cars and stuff. So they just I, sold. Yeah, was that, you know, was that the, the, the late 90s? Yeah, yeah. And comics were just in a bad state. It was that and Real plus uh, and that's when Onslaught happened. So like. Uh, you know, if, if people aren't familiar with late '90s Marvel comics, basically Marvel did my idea of killing Spider-Man uh, just in the worst possible way, where like a character murdered all their heroes because uh, they kind of thought, well, we might be going out of business, <laughs> so they just killed yeah. off all their intellectual property and then brought I mean, it back. A weird it was thing, awful. If you read early Spider-Man, they didn't know how long they were going to last, and so around yeah. like issue thirty. Yeah. It, it's like it's supposed to be the death of spider-man you could kind of feel it but then obviously now i think we're going up on to issue 800 or something like that so he has not <laughs> died they, yet but it was it was really like a, a road diverging in the woods and stanley's like well i guess we'll keep him alive and see how long we can keep this going <laughs> like there's another version yeah. where it's like spider-man is just some weird cultural uh archive that only a few people know about yeah he's just a jack kirby comic you know it's <laughs> yeah it's it's fine i love commandy but he's he's never gonna have a movie the same way oh who knows i mean everyone's you know never say never at this point i could say a commandy movie but let's agree that devil dinosaur is good but we'll never have a movie um oh he's so good he's so kind my sister i love devil dinosaur was asking me about like superheroes uh that like girls would like and i was like moon girl and devil dinosaur one of my favorite comics that's coming out right now it's just like because the old Devil Dinosaur is one of my favorites. And then just like Moon Girl's the coolest. Uh, 
Yeah. Very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like there's there's that comfort is really interesting to me because you know, I remember reading in when I got back into comics, I, I sort of had to catch up with everything that had happened. And there were certain storylines that that were interesting that I'd missed. And, you know, certain things I'd read back issues of. Like I read all the Jeff Johns and Mark Wade Flash and uh, yeah. you know, the which, you know, just wonderful comics. And uh so in, in terms of yeah, in terms of Spider-Man, I I am still a big, big fan of the uh J. Michael Straczynski run. Um Mm-hmm. Which I actually I went ahead like even at conventions and I went ahead and like bought all of them, um, so I have them all like single issue and everything. Uh, but I remember reading the Straczynski run, and there's a lot of will they won't they with uh, Peter and Mary Jane, uh, you know, basically salvaging their marriage. And um, mm-hmm. I remember there was a st- there was like an issue where that was going to be resolved, and reading it, I like and I was like going page by page. I don't think I actually spoiled it for myself. But I was just like, I was just like, they can't like if they don't get back together, this is gonna ruin my whole night. Like I am gonna be, I'm gonna be a wreck, and I'm not gonna like it. And it won't be like a good cathartic sort of wreck. It'll be like a really upset sort of feeling. And they got him back together, as like you know you would expect. Yeah, but that wasn't the course. challenging choice. But it's the choice I'm glad they oh. made. Totally. And like, I have a film struck membership. And so I will try my best to watch like tough movies. But at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, sure. I've seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure like 40 times. And I'm going to watch it 40 more times because it's a movie that like makes me very happy. And as much as you want to challenge yourself as an artist and a, as a person, and I know that moments I have challenged myself, I have like grown a lot. Like life's really hard. It's like really tough to just like get up in the morning and do a thing. Like I, yeah. I am so surprised that I've worked at GameLoft for a year, not because GameLoft's a bad company, but because I am not a good person at waking up in the morning. So the fact that I've been <laughs> able to wake up every day and go to work is like astonishing to me. Uh, well, it must be a good company. So yeah. <laughs> oh, the best company, GameLoft. Plug in it. It's great. Trevor, your thoughts on GameLoft? I really like GameLoft. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but let me ask. Let me ask this about about, about actually about GameLoft and about about your customers. Um, do you think I'll, I'll ask this bluntly because I think I think you'll appreciate a blunt question like this. Um, do you think your customers uh, and your readers uh, care about your stories, or is it just window dressing for uh, the the sort of game mechanics? Because like as I understand uh, mobile games to work, it's been a while since I was really into them, but like. You know, I I played my share of Candy Crush and I played my share of sort of like free to play narrative games and stuff. And and generally there's a story there, but mostly it's just like window dressing. So you can kind of like tap your screen and do the little, uh, you know, the very straightforward uh, uh, button mashing uh, that goes on in the game. So do you think people care about the story as well in the, in the Spider-Man games or is it or is it simply window dressing? One of the most embarrassing things that I did at GameLoft is when I was applying there, I was playing a bunch of games just to like, so my interviews would go better. And when I got Smart. to Spider-Man, I, the first thing I did when it like gave me the dialogue, I skipped it because I'm just so used <laughs> to skipping cutscenes. And I like, I actually had to like re-download it to like play the tutorial again because <laughs> I had skipped the thing I was supposed to be learning about. That's so horrible. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so dumb. I've gotten way better at it. But yeah, there's like a we actually got just got like stats back from uh from our like marketing team or whatever on Spider-Man at least. 
And there's like a lot, there's a, I wouldn't say large, I don't even know if it's a majority, but there is a percentage of players who skip over dialogue because, you know, it's, it's a game with good mechanics. So you might just want to do that. Yeah. But actually like a good portion do read the dialogue. There's a guy named mystery Scooby who updates the Marvel Wikipedia, uh, with my storylines, which is kind of the coolest thing I could ever ask for. Yeah. I, uh, I made J Jonah Jameson have like a new girlfriend and I kind of, Ah, I, I sort of made up a character just to write like within the descriptions, and that character who's never existed before has a page up on the Marvel Wiki page. So there I mean, are people who like it. That's a Harley Quinn started effectively. I mean, not not that loosely, but yeah. I mean, like that's you know, she could be in a comic someday soon. Oh, if Hannah Real gets into a movie, oh, she's a wonderful lady. She she's a kindergarten teacher. She like understands temper tantrums. She's. She's like she's pretty perfect for 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 our boy JJ. But uh yeah, I mean most of the time I will spend like an hour when I'm home at night cuz I uh, cuz I hate myself just like going through our Facebook pages and our Reddits and all that just looking for one person talking about narrative cuz most of the time it's people like asking if they could get stuff for free sure. and like complaining that they got banned cuz they cheated and like that's <laughs> 90% of it. But like every once in a while I actually really enjoyed the one comment when the guy said that my uh, my Tokyo Story sweater thing was boring because I was like, oh, yeah, it is boring. I wrote a purposefully boring story and you played through it, which is like kind of, yeah, I, I was trying to make the least dramatic Spider-Man story I could possibly write. And this guy, even if he hated it, he Still like, played it. Was not comforted like the way I'd said I like writing, but you know, uh, maybe maybe I challenged him. Maybe, maybe he's gonna go. Uh, it's a little like Ozu little in that way, where like you mentioned Ozu before, and I think that's a perfect analog because like Ozu is is sort of like the 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 version of, of Kurosawa, where like it's, you're not getting Seven Samurai, you're getting something that's sort of like purposefully ornate and difficult and like. It, you yeah. know, not that Kurosawa is any less difficult, but it doesn't. It, you don't even get the genre window dressing in Ozu, um, but you might like it, yeah. even though it's boring. <laughs> I know that James Mangold, who directed Logan, said that he was trying to make Ozu with mutants, and I was so angry for like a month. Like I'm still kind of angry at that, and then I kind of got like self conscious because I have totally described my sweater story as like <laughs> Ozu trying with to be Ozu. Indians. So like yeah, just like yeah, any person who like wanted to write comic books as a kid, but then ended up going to art school is going to be obnoxious when they talk about their art. So I, I apologize for thinking I'm like Ozu. I mean, I wrote I wrote my senior thesis in college on comic books. I had a whole chapter on Fourth World Saga. So you know, oh, I hear you. Yeah, I love Jack Kirby. For a while, my my password was Mr. Miracle. Oh, that's uh, a good password. It's, 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 it's no longer, so like, don't try and get into my stuff. Gonna hack but, all your accounts. Oh no! Yeah, and if you ever want to play me on Switch, I'm a Kid Commandy. So oh, go, go, very uh, nice. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was like, I, I think, like one of the things that I, I, I was, I was pleased that um, I, I forget if we said this off air or not, but like one of the reasons you said you followed me was because um, in the first place uh, on Twitter was like. Uh, my avatar was crazy. It was uh, Ignaz from Crazy Cat, and then my headers from Love and Rockets. Um, yeah, and like those two, those two pieces of art, um, like help me. 
I wouldn't say they helped me through difficult times necessarily. I, I, I'm sure they did, but I don't want to make it seem like it wasn't even that purposeful. Like they just have been like kind of important to me. Like Locus was a really important uh, collection mm-hmm. that that hardbound uh, work of Jaime Hernandez's um, uh, Love and Rockets run, particularly the uh, the Maggie and Hopi stories. Um, yeah. And then like uh, the Crazy and Ignats I read while I was in London um, studying abroad in 2005 and I would I would just like it would make me laugh so much and it would just like kind of a warm feeling and I'd go to bed reading them. And like I, I think like one of the cooler things about being an adult and I don't I you know this might this might tie in with with um, mobile no, games actually please, quite a bit. Is like please tell me what's cool about being an adult. I would really it's, I I, I I need to know. There's not a lot, but one of the, one of the cool <laughs> things about being an adult is you can like take that stuff that you that like meant a lot to you and actually sort of like make it part of you. It's sort of like the uh, it's like the part in Dark Souls if you play the Dark Souls games where like mm-hmm. you you can um, get armor that you like as opposed to armor that just uh, you know helps you not get killed. Um, so yeah. like I can take that individual panel from uh from Love and Rockets that I hate work work hates me and I can put it up there and like instead of thinking about it all the time in my head, I can just look at my Twitter page and there it is and it's like well that describes me and the Ignats describes me and you know I uh, uh, I have sent that that panel to my coworker Claire <laughs> so many times just because it's like. I mean, everyone wants to be Hopi, but like I am, I am hopelessly a Maggie. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, oh, just quit your job. I'm like, no, like, I like my job. I just like, like I said, I have to wake up and go to it every day, and it's just like, it's just tough. So whenever it's like a tough day, I just send that. I do feel better. Yeah. And like Crazy Cat, like, is there anything kinder in the world? No, than, not at all. Like, yeah. Uh, and I name, yeah, I mean, well, like, I name my cat Hopi. Uh, and somehow I got my wife to agree to that. Um, but like, I mean, I did it cause it just makes me feel good to think about love and rockets. And like that she had a, uh, her family had a dog that unfortunately uh, didn't go. So that their relationship with the dog didn't go so well uh, for a number of reasons, but that dog was named Maggie. So Maggie was off the table. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Um, but you know, it was like, it's, it, I think one of the cool things about being an adult is you can, you can link that kind of stuff into your life. And yes, I mean, there's a Matt Chrisman sort of fear there where you say, well, then where does your actual meaning come from other than consumer goods? Uh, But I don't know. I mean, like there's also a feeling that that's like, like you said, that, that panel, which I'm I'm sure is not like the panel. If you ask Jaime Hernandez, like name the, you know, pivotal panel in love and rockets, he would pick that. But like that panel just like helps you get through a bad day sometimes. And that's like, I don't know, that that, that feels important in the same way that, you know, your Spider-Man games helping people get through a tough or or the Dragon Ball games or any like Sniper Fury, like getting through a hard commute is not uh, a a trivial thing. I I think like I don't want to demean theory or like kind of like thinking about like how please like what. (laughs) But but it's like I just I I think life is so hard and that's such a stupid thing for a twenty two year old to say. But it's just so hard doing really simple tasks like cooking for yourself and like any art that is kind to me. I just really appreciate because I understand that like I could get kind of lost in this Ready Player One nostalgia and just kind of like fall apart because of that. But I mean like it's just really hard. And if, if I have to rely on the strength of my character to go on, I won't get that far. <laughs> I, I want to try and get my character level, you know, stronger, like in Spider-Man unlimited, but 
at this point, I, uh, yeah, I, I just like cons- consumer goods help me. Yeah. I would love to get to a point where I don't need it, but for now, like it's good. It's good. I, 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 I like these things. I actually have a crazy cat. I think shrine is the wrong word, but like <laughs> I have all those postcards from uh fanographics all up on my wall Oh, cool! around uh, Ronald Wimberly did those uh, paintings of like b- black artists and people that he really liked. And one of them was of George Harriman. So I have that like in the middle of them. Oh, so cool. yeah, I get to wake up and look at those every day and be like, Oh yeah. Wow. That's, I feel good. That's very, I wake up. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. So let me ask you about that. Like the, um, so the idea of comfort, the idea of getting one, oneself through, the idea of sort of giving oneself a release. Like, I think there's something, I, I think there's something that, especially in like late capitalism, because we're all now like, by, not we're all, but like many, many more people. And I think now, whether or not it's fair or not, an unconscious norm is that people will be college graduates. Like the idea, like mm-hmm. when you're walking down the street, you basically are like, well, everyone goes to college. Like that's the sort of, unspoken norm and it's not true uh you know I, I taught at uic for quite a while and taught a lot of first generation college students and there is still like especially in lower income and and um sort of non-white circles like it is difficult to go to college like that's like a it's a it's still quite tricky and a, a struggle but like the 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 assumption is everyone goes to college and the assumption is everyone has these refined tastes and and like you know, should be constantly trying to, as you say, like, uh, you know, increase their character or like, uh, I don't know, like, yeah, I think that's a good way of saying it, like leveling up, basically. I mean, we even get these, yeah. uh, these work apps that are based like RPGs where you can like level up your cleaning skills and whatever. Um, no, no. One, one day I'm going to work for some tech company as the, the game designer and I'm going to gamify losing weight. and I'm going to make a billion dollars. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm right. All this is just leading up to that. So just like the, do you want to pitch it to if they're listening you you should pitch it to uh, to your company now <laughs> game lofts my favorite company uh i have an idea uh it's uh i don't know but yeah no i i <laughs> that's a rough, really that's a rough elevator pitch i gotta tell you <laughs> yeah, not, not my not my best uh though i've done worse so uh <laughs> but no i mean like so, you're, it's true like, yeah it's like it's like everyone wants to do it but there's also like a point in life where you you can't like, we're not, we're not equipped to, you know, be extremely like, you know, careful, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of like, like, uh, pure aesthetes all the time. Um, like as one of my, one of my advisors, uh, Walter Ben Michael said, um, who's like, I mean, if you look up Walter, he is, um, he's basically what you'd think of if you thought of a pure aesthete, he's like, he only likes like two, he only thinks two contemporary novels and the wire are uh are good examples of storytelling in uh he has you, you didn't say he has two ends in ben so he is definitely yeah. like he's, he's very very, very literate yeah yeah two ends that's crazy um but he's he's a great guy i really I, I love i love walter um uh but he um you know he, he, he like doesn't really he doesn't watch stuff that's like junk he, he sort of doesn't really have guilty pleasures but that's just in media. Uh, he, he said one of the funniest things uh, I've ever heard someone say, which is like, he said, he goes, yeah, you know, like everyone, I won't do my Walter impersonation on the podcast. That would be rude. Um, but he goes, yeah, like everyone loves, uh, everyone loves really serious food and serious sex. And all, you know, everyone in class is like, everyone in class is like, oh man, like, wow, I wonder what he means by that. 
but like that that was that's a that's a dive that that, that is that, there's a lot of parse out there but he's that's, but like that's his thing like and he's except he's like he's like yeah i like serious food and serious sex and it's like there's nothing highbrow about serious food and he's calling it serious and uh, you know maybe that's like a an affectation yeah. but even he has to know that like eating foie gras or like having sex is not an aesthetic revelation yeah and, and so like yeah. it, it's whatever your serious food and serious sex is like you need it. I went to Chicago earlier this year to see Chris Ware do a lecture. Oh, cool. And Chris Ware, I would say in a steep in a lot of ways. Uh, and like, yeah. I don't think he has a TV in his house, all that things. And so I went to go see him. I, I was, it was really amazing. I actually had to talk to him afterwards. It was great. And then I went back to my Airbnb and at my Airbnb, they only had one DVD and it was a DVD I watched eight times that week while I was like writing and reading at night. And that was Transformers The Last Night. Ooh, so I have cool. watched Transformers The Last Night like eight times, like maybe in the background. But I would say one of my favorite movies. I won't go. It's not one of my favorite movies, but I had a lot of fun. And really, I just needed something to play on in the background. I do that with Simpsons all the time now. Yeah. Because uh, I'm like, I, I have to get writing done. Uh, and, you know having like empty noise doesn't feel good. So, uh, yeah, watch, yeah. watch Transformers the last night. Well, Everyone deserves Transformers the last night. Well, and I, really think, like, I think in a way, and I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be super, super uh, pandering to you here. So, uh, I hope you don't mind, uh, needless compliments. Uh, but I think like everyone deserves a good, like comforting mobile game too. Like they deserve something that you're writing as well. Like it, it sounds to me, like you're filling a lot of niches uh, and, and like, while I'm super interested in that sniper fury niche where like it, it does kind of fill the, the, the void of, I really want to play uh modern warfare, but I am currently on an L train right now and can't possibly do that. Um, mm-hmm. Which is always the reason why I played games like that. Like those, the more narrative games you have are these, are these sort of like, I don't know, escapes that, you're also putting good work into, I mean, how do you, do you, do you ever feel like that's, that's like a difficult balancing act? Like I I know people will say, especially people who write, you know, popular uh, media will say, you know, it's harder to write popular media than it is to write art media because you have to balance that. I mean, do you think there's anything to that? Uh, I think I was very lucky. It was just like where I went to school, where, (laughs) Uh, the dramatic writing program at NYU, a lot more of like a technical school, which I guess sounds kind of pretentious because it, you know, it's a technical school that costs a, the most money possible. <laughs> but like, I, it, I, it's like a my, lot more about... I got my MA at NYU, so I know all about the money. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, uh, so support, I support you on Patreon, as everyone should, because that Thank is... It, it is the only a way I can pay back those vultures. Um, <laughs> but sorry, but I like a off. big part of it teaching structure because like if you want to get a job after college which uh you know you, you if you'd want to you, sh- you could uh like a big part of it is just like you're probably not going to be hired to you know like write your passion project you're going to be hired to write a passion project for someone else i one of my uh, co-workers armand was telling me that one of his friends was hired by a really rich person to follow him around and write a movie about him <laughs> and that like that is the most insane thing possible. But like I've got the skills. I know how to structure a story. So I don't think it's that tough to write these personal like these like these like business and just like kind of like comfortable things because 
people have been doing it for you know forever like yeah. going back to aristotle and stuff like that so i just follow the structure i i do my job and in in between i kind of get to like write these little things that mean something to me and it, it yeah it i i hope it means things to other people i hope people like play it and like feel comforted maybe laugh sometimes i don't know but i i, def, I definitely try to be kind to people I, I think i've said kind a bunch of times but it's a it's definitely the word I try and go for when I'm writing. Oh, it's nice. I mean, like, nice. let me ask, like, do you think, speaking of Aristotle and speaking of kindness, I mean, Aristotle had no real, um, no room in his life for kindness. Uh, but, uh, well, maybe he did. I don't know. In his writings, you don't get the sense. But yeah, I don't know the man. Uh, we never mm-hmm. met. Uh, despite I me being old, I'm not quite that old. Uh, see, when you get when you get to be my age, you can actually make I'm old but not that old jokes. It's like it's I'm, I'm so excited yeah yeah, yeah it's, I, it's it's another one of those rare perks of being an adult but i uh, love them <laughs> loving it uh yeah like it's like that xkcd comic where they um which i i don't really uh enjoy but like the the where, where they're like we're adults and we get to decide what that means and it's like a ball pit room or whatever um it's not a ball pit room uh being an adult you do get to decide what being an adult means but it's basically uh it's basically like a higher level version of picking an avatar and um and other perks yeah well, that's also a stupid comic because like as an adult you have to clean the balls yeah. like you've been you, you're in a you're you are a parent you've been to the ball pits at like chuck e cheese oh. they're disgusting yeah, yeah you just yeah, like, I, plastic balls and they're in your apartment and now they you, you have to deal with them yeah i had a nerf gun at one point and i still find nerf darts i threw out the nerf gun i don't need it yeah i i oh. that that was it a sad moment a little but i like i said i'm still working on the cooking for myself thing so i i, I think cleaning up after nerf darts is just a little too much for me at this point and and if you're having trouble cooking i mean you might want to check blueapron.com backslash now just we don't we don't oh no that was killer yeah oh, that would have been oh, great yeah. no yeah I'm, I'm sorry yeah well blue apron i hope you're listening this this kind of plug could be every episode for you um I know this is like a legit thing that could like that could get done. That's you know? right. Like we, we could get yeah, you could get Casper. Like let's oh, you know yeah, let's get Casper mattress on here talking about like you know when you're when you uh, when you just want to game in bed a little bit, but you need a little bit of support. It's Casper, I, I mean that's my main thing. I, now that I've got all these new games on Switch, uh, Nintendo Switch, uh, where you could play on the TV and in your hands, uh, which. Uh, is a tagline I'm pitching right now. Like we, we we just keep going over and over again. That's a great. It's, it's uh, super catchy. I like that tagline. <laughs> so, so, but let me ask you. Like, do you think? Do you think? Um, so, Aristotle. For I, I don't know who doesn't know this. I, I'm probably being just completely pedantic, but um, that's my job. Uh, it's my day job. And the on the podcast is just sort of the thing I do. Um, but the, yeah. um, you know. Aristotle talks about catharsis and like what, what Aristotle talks about when he talks about catharsis is he's talking about the, the, the tragedies. Um, you definitely know this, but I'll, I'll tell the audience. Um, yeah. He's talking about classical tragedies, particularly like the Sophoclean tragedies. Um, and he, uh, he says, yeah, like the, the point of a tragedy is that it, um, and it's, it's really like a very short passage in the poetics. People think this is like a book he wrote about catharsis, but it's like a, the, the you know, paragraph. Um, and that's yeah. all he says. And, and, but like the whole point is very, it's very compelling because it's, um, I don't know, it's suggestive. The idea is you, you go and watch these things because it purges you of, uh, of, um, basically like fear and, um, and sadness. Uh, you get to purge all your fear and sadness. And then, 
leave mm-hmm. and have you know a nice a nice time with your life you get you're you're a little bit lightened um and i don't know if that's really how things work but uh do you think that your games provide that sort of lightening as well do you think it's it, it, do you think there's something of like a like a taking on of the burdens of the everyday that your that your games do for people uh do you think it's fair to think of them in that kind of like elevated way uh <laughs> I, I also don't mean to be pedantic, uh, but I'm going to be now. Uh, a weird thing about poetics is that, like, there are some scholars who say there's another half of poetics Whoa. that talks about comedy, uh, and like all, like all of poetics is just about tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, like, I don't know if I fully buy into that. Like, we're just going into like this art for like to be purged. I, I, I don't know. I. I, I don't think of myself that highly when I'm writing these. Uh, and I, I don't mean to demean myself or any of the games. I, 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 I truly think it is just like in the same way, like why do we listen to podcasts and like, why do we like care about celebrities? It's just like, Oh, these are people who are like in our life more than other people that are in our life. And we get to know them and we get to care for them. And we just get to like get to know more about them uh, through that. So if I could just like write art where like you get to know these characters just more i think that's good it, it just like i i don't yeah I, I don't think i really think of stories as like a purgative effect i think like stories are just like a different type of you know like social dynamic except you don't get to interact most of the time uh so yeah it, huh. it's just like you're just hanging out with people more uh that you that you really like uh and sometimes if you are good enough at hanging out with people in these uh, just by listening to podcasts and playing games, you could actually be on the podcast. That's so, right. That's right. Yeah. My DMs so, are, are open and it has never, it has actually never backfired on me. Um, the, the best time was when uh, a Trump supporter, I used to, my, my, uh, my screen name used to be Eileen Jornos uh, mm-hmm. as a joke about Eileen Warnos. And the, uh, there was a Trump supporter who got like, who got mad at me or like I, I made fun of or something. Um, and he like, got mad at me and yelled at me and called me a snowflake or whatever. And then he DM me and he was like, Hey, Eileen want to connect. <laughs> like, Oh, this is good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have go rocks. <laughs> yeah. Dive into that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's- <laughs> on, like, let, let's connect. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, to go back to what you said, and I, I, I feel bad about undercutting it with the joke uh, now because that was actually <laughs> quite profound and interesting. So I hope everyone just skipped by my joke. Um, but yeah, no, it's like, it's, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like the idea of familiarity and, and, and giving people something that they can, um, I don't know, that's something they can come back to on their commutes or on their, you know, when they're laying in bed or, or just in like the little minutes of or hours of the day. Like, I don't know, that's, that, that is very meaningful. It's meaningful to be able to sort of like return to characters you care about. And even if it's predictable, it's just like, yeah you know, I care more about Lenny Briscoe than I do any character on like Breaking Bad. Um, yeah. And that I, like with, you know, without any uh, controversy, I can say that. Um, Earlier talking about uh, jokes or like things you've said a bunch of times on the podcast. And one thing I learned this year where I listened to the Norm MacDonald live show, like I, I was just kind of depressed and I just listened to every episode like eight or nine times. Mm-hmm. And I realized like he just says the same jokes over and over again. And I love him for that because like the only person who I know who does that is like my dad. Mm-hmm. And so like, instead of trying to impress me by like coming up with new bits, he's just my dad. And he's just like, a really like, I get to know this person and this person is not existing in the world 
to like impress me with their like comedic genius. He's there to be like nice to me and to like entertain me. Yeah. And yeah. That's good. Yeah. And Keep telling the same stories over and over again. I don't know if it'll backfire. So, but <laughs> I, it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, it's also like the, the, I listened to him do the moth joke um, on oh, Conan. Yeah. I say the moth joke all the time. Yeah. Oh, I could do it right. We've already been talking for an hour. I could, we, it would be another hour of just me doing the mob joke, but I love that joke. Oh, yeah. It's just the best. And like the, the, like the, even, even watching Conan through it, like where, where, where Norm does, as I watched it when he was on Conan, like wa- mm-hmm. watching Conan just like struggle with the fact that this is just so hilarious. And he's just, he's just having the hardest time, like keeping a straight face. There's just like and the power of it is be- just like, he just keeps doing it. Like he just keeps going. Yeah. And you either give up on the person or you go like, Oh, I love this person. Right. And exactly. not like, yeah, like, like not in a way that you could like, it's like deeply emotional, but like, Oh no, like I have like this like deep part of me that is like very caring. And like, no matter what they do, I'm like, I, I, I remember this is so weird. Cause I, I don't agree with Norm McDonald on a lot of things. Uh, but when he like posted on Twitter that he got a Netflix show, I like was like viscerally like, so proud of him like uh, yeah like he 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 is like he he's done fine i i don't i don't need to be proud of him i could like probably spend more emotional time to take the matt crispin kind of around i could probably spend more emotion on people in my life uh but i guess i don't oh okay i I don't actually have a little bad i mean no but like i I think that's (laughs) nice because like i mean he is he is a he's a person and like i i think there is if if mobile games are anything like norm mcdonald it's that like you can pick them up very easily and they're out there and they have these like, it's not hard to find them basically like Norm McDonald's everywhere. Mobile games are everywhere. It's not hard to track them down. Um, but if you give any given bit or any given game, like your time, it might like worm its way into your brain, which is, I mean, that's a fascinating thing about the genre you work in. Like it, it is so unlike triple uh, A titles or, or, or steam games or anything like that. Like, it's something that people just like casually pick up for a train ride. And sometimes it becomes their entire life. Yeah. And like, it's a, I don't know if the pedantic is the right word, but like I think about this all the time while I'm writing because every game is based on loops, but some games like are able to hide their loops better than other ones. But mobile games for the most part are just loops purely. Yes. And, and loops are, is just Sisyphus. And really like you should think of it like Camus thinks of Sisyphus where like, somewhere where he's rolling up that rock I, I you have to imagine sisyphus happy because if you don't imagine sisyphus happy everything else falls apart like because like all of life is based on these loops and if we don't agree that doing the same task over and over again is pleasing for some way everything falls apart which i guess we could think about but that sounds so awful i you have to imagine sisyphus happy yes you have to be Principal Skinner enjoying uh, bouncing the ball up against the wall and uh, trying to then beat the record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh. Oh, well, Tom, thank you so much for being on. I've kept you an hour. I, I know you're you're prepping for all sorts of things, and I'm sure you have uh, writing to do, actually. Um, always, if, if you're anything like me. Um, always. I'm I'm a I'm I'm so hard I'm a very diligent worker. That's uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna keep saying that to myself. If I've That's, convinced uh, anyone that I am a diligent worker, then I have uh, the the devil no longer uh, has pulled the greatest trick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anything you feel like we didn't touch on? Uh 
yeah, I think we, I think we touched on everything. Yeah. Uh, that, that, yeah, this felt good. Yeah. This uh, yeah. Great. yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah. Follow Tom. Um, Tom is on Twitter. Tell him your handle. Cause I closed my, my Twitter. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to, uh, um, pull up the buffer. And as people who I have followed for, I don't know, five years will tell you, I forget their ads too. I'm terrible with everyone's name, period. So it's not about you. It's about my inability to remember anything. So uh, tell, tell the people you're at so they can follow you. Cool. I just joined Twitter a couple months ago. So I'm new to this uh, really wonderful website with no problems. (laughs) Normal Uh, website. Very normal. Uh, this week, I would say, is the most online I've ever been, and I like get what people are talking about now. But oh, I, no. I, am, <laughs> I am at Coach for Dads. That's Coach, F-O-R, Dads. It's uh, a great app. Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 I had no Twitter, and then I came up with it. I was like, well, now I have to have a Twitter. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, at Coach for Dads. Uh, that's my Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, cool. check it out. And um and yeah, go play, go play uh so tell us all your games that you work on so people can go play them. Uh yes, Spider-Man Unlimited, Sniper Fury, go get some in-app purchases. Uh, you know, nice. I I I got a I got a mouth to feed, so I would I would love that. Uh <laughs> also Gangstar, really any of the wonderful games from Gameloft. They it's all good. Uh I also want to just do a quick shout out to the, the other writers, yeah. uh, Dan, Please. Dan, Claire, and Armand. They're my very good friends. They, I, I, when I when I started working at a video game company, I was worried about the uh, the woke level of the writers because uh, <laughs> you know video games kind of have this reputation. But everyone is very woke. Uh, they're all very fun to hang out with and talk to, and they're all just really good artists who are all doing like really cool stuff on the on the side. Sweet. So. But yeah, so they, they all sound really cool. I like that's that's super fun. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. Um, I, I was gonna I was gonna say something about. Uh, oh yeah, and if you want free uh, free stuff from the games, uh, remember to at Coach for Dads. Um, I'm sure uh, Tom loves hearing from people who want free stuff from the games he writes. I really, just, I would love to just uh, have anybody talk to me. That'd be really nice. So, uh, <laughs> feel free to reach out. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Please come back anytime. Oh, I really appreciate it. I would love to. Thanks, dude. Cool. All right. Bye.